Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you. Thank you for that prayer. That was an edgy prayer. I love that, man. Get ready to get messed up a little bit with this message, a little roughed up a little bit. That's good stuff right there. Now, some of you are tuning in going, don't make me uncomfortable. When was the last time the Word of God made you uncomfortable, stretched you, nudged you, poked you in areas? If, If you're going, I can't remember the last time, then you're probably not reading God's Word. God is constantly trying to get us lined up with His heart, with His ways. And He definitely wants to pour out His love, His blessing. He wants what's best for us. And that means sometimes He does have to kind of nudge us and poke us and get us outside of our comfort zone. We are looking at this series on Luke chapter 15, The Prodigal Son. Some call it, Tim Keller calls it, Prodigal God. Luke 15 Jesus tells two stories to these two different groups of people, right? The the, uh, notorious sinners as well as the kind of rule-following, legalistic older brother. Last week, we took some uh, liberty, uh, if you didn't tune in. My friend Steve Beck reminded me that's called uh, eisegesis, when you kind of take Scripture and create a meaning for it. And I talked about the middle brother, and I took some biblical liberty there. Today, we're looking at the younger son, Luke 15. Open your Bibles, verses 11 to 24. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one. He said to his father, Father, give me my share. Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, and not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So He went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out, I'll go back to my father, I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20, so he got up and he went home to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy 
to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast, a party, and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. We'll stop there. Next week, we'll look at the older brother. But this morning, we're going to just zero in on and settle in and and soak in this part of the story. The younger son. So, of course, you probably know this, but maybe not, that in those days when the father died, the oldest son would receive a double portion of the inheritance. So in this case, he would get two-thirds. The younger son would get one-third. But as is mostly true today, the estate would be settled after the father died, not while he was still living, after the father died. So just kind of thinking about how this must have sat with the father. It was a complete sign of, of disrespect from his younger son. It was the same as kind of wishing that his dad was dead. Dad, I want what's coming to me, and I want it now, and I want, I want my inheritance, I want blessing, but I actually don't really want a relationship with you. Now, just sit in now. That's what this younger son is doing and saying to his father with his actions. Now, let me just stop there. Family inheritance. I was wrestling whether to bring it up, but I thought, why not? Family inheritance brings a lot of joy in some families if you're on the receiving end of that. But family inheritance can also bring and has brought a lot of family pain. You talk to any wealth manager today from Smith Barney or Shearson Lehman or whatever, they will tell you there are so many families that break up, split up, relationships are strained, broken, brothers and sisters, moms and dads and kids aren't talking to each other over the settlement of the estate, the family inheritance, what's coming to me or what I thought was coming to me and what I didn't get, or my brother got more, or my sister got more. I want to ask you a question. Have you actually thought about what you're going to do with what you have when you die? Who gets it, and why? And if you're a kid, have you thought about when your parents pass away, are you entitled to that, and why? Don't set yourself up massive disappointment. I have said to friends, you know, you'll really find out the true integrity of your relationship with your kids. If you tell them, you're not getting anything, I'm giving it all away to charity. You'll find out really quickly the sincerity and the genuineness of that relationship. I have another question to ask. Have you decided what you will do or would do if you came into an inheritance, or a windfall, a bonus. Let's just, let's broaden it. It's not just an inheritance. It might be you got a huge raise. You got a big bonus at the end of the year. 
maybe a settlement. Some of you know that story that I shared when I had my Vespa accident seven, eight years ago now, this month. And I got a settlement. And, and money will mess with you when you come into money. And you have to decide in your heart now. It's a spiritual issue. What will you do if you come into an inheritance, a settlement, a huge bonus, a windfall? Rick Warren says that we should reflect and think about when we do come into money. This question, is God giving me this so that I can increase my standard of living or my standard or level of giving? Did God give me this inheritance so that I could increase my standard of living or my standard of Giving. I just, just a side note, you know, having been a pastor of this church for 23 years, over the 23 years, I have been shaped and inspired by so many of you in how you've handled money, how you've handled your windfall if it came, a family inheritance when a parent passed away and you came into a big chunk of change. I have witnessed, I have watched a, a business that was sold, a property that was sold, and I have witnessed and I have watched the generosity of God's people. You have blessed this church. You have blessed young life. You have blessed the kingdom of God. You have blessed the work of God in this world. And I just say thank you for your faithfulness, for your fruitfulness, for modeling for the next generation. So many of you, thank you. Rick Warren said this as well. He said, God's favorite tool to test you is your money. Ooh. Now, that, that, that's going to mess with you. I am glad Casey prayed that. That messed with me when I read that. God's favorite tool to test me is my money. He says it shows who and what you love most and trust most. And, he says, it shows if God can trust you. Because when he gives us an inheritance or a windfall or a bonus, can he trust us with that? And what are we going to do with it? Well, let's go back to the story. The younger son, he failed the test. Verse 13, the younger son got together all he had and he did what? He set off for a distant country. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to spend my money traveling around the world. Set off for a distant country and what? squandered his wealth in wild living. Money will mess with you. He spent it all on himself. More for me, more pleasure, more toys, more jewelry, no more economy. I'm flying first class all the time now. This younger son lost his way. And that's part of the point of this story. Jesus is saying both sons are lost. This younger son is lost. Tim Keller says he lost his way in self-indulgence. Self-indulgence. More for me, not for you. I'm not sharing. I'm not giving. I'm, it's, it's me. It's me. It's me. And I think this self-indulgence kind of issue is is one that will mess with you. Most of us will go, oh, that's not me. But how do you decide what you're going to do with your money? How do you decide what you're going to do? Is God informing that decision? Is your parents? Are you? Who? Your kids? 
And I think what's happening here is with this younger son, what he's saying is, I'll decide what's right and what's wrong for me. I'm going to live however I want to live. No one's going to tell me what I should do or should not do. And I love Craig Cruschel in his new book. He says that most of life, most of life's battles are won or lost in our mind. You know, who, who had shaped the mind of this younger son? What had shaped the mind? And, and, and maybe for, for those of us listening right now, who's shaping your mind? Is culture shaping your mind or is the creator shaping your mind? Is the world shaping your mind or is the word shaping your mind? I mean, there's the gut check question for all of us. Who is shaping how we think about our lives and the choices we're making about money? Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. This reminds me of his perspective. What did he say in Ecclesiastes 2.10? Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. He's like the younger son. He says, I'm going all in for me. And what did he realize? He discovered, wow, there's no life in that. There's no life in living for me and making it all about money for me. And so back to the story, the younger son squanders everything in wild living. And what happens? Well, what does he discover? He discovers that the party is nice while it lasts, but the hangover can be a real headache and heartache. And he wakes up with the pigs in the mud. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. We might call it rock bottom. He hit it. He was there. He hit, he hit rock bottom emotionally. He hit rock bottom relationally. No one, no one would help him. He hit rock bottom spiritually. He was far from his father, far from God. He hit rock bottom financially, the whole thing. And I think at rock bottom, he discovers, as we read the story, because it says he came to his senses, he discovered he wasn't living his best life. He wasn't actually leaning into the God-given potential that he had. The crash that he had, as you read this story, it's just so so painful that he finally makes that, that hard choice, that, that choice that's so brutal, so painful, but yet so honest that I'm going to deal with my demons. I'm, I'm going to face myself. I'm going to go home to my father, right? And I wrote this in my notes. I wrote, he could finally see clearly that he had been believing that lie that freedom, true freedom, is being able to have whatever we crave whenever we crave it. That's what so many of us think. That's what our culture tells us. Oh, free means I can do whatever I want whenever I want. Whatever I'm craving, I can have it whenever I want. I love what Rob Bell, how he reframes freedom. He says this, freedom isn't being, isn't being able to have what we crave. Freedom is going without whatever we crave, and being fine with it. Sit in that. Freedom isn't being able to have whatever we want. Freedom is going without whatever we want and being fine with it. Dave Ramsey says this, maturity is learning to delay pleasure. 
spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is that fruit of the Spirit that says, I am willing to delay pleasure. And so verse 17, he comes to his senses. What's that? That's a moment of clarity. I'm tired of living this way. There's another option, a different way to live. And I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. I'm going to give you another quote. Peter Parker in Spider-Man 3 says this, whatever comes our way, whatever battle we have raging inside of us, we always have a choice. It's the choices that make us who we are, and we can always choose to do what's right. So I don't know where you are as you're listening or watching right now, but you always have a choice to turn your life around. That's what repentance is. It's turning your life around. And maybe this morning you're walking away from God, walking away from his family, walking away from your, uh, your immediate family, your church family. It could be any context, but you have a choice on what you're going to do with your life right here, right now, as you're listening, right? And I want you to notice the difference between verse 17 and 20. Again, look at your Bibles. Look at the story. Verse 17 He's telling himself, I could go home, I will go. He's, he's, he's talking to himself, he's thinking. Verse 20, he's acting. He's got up and he returns home. And I think many of us get caught in that space. I should. Oh, yeah, how many times have we promised God? I promise I'll stop it. I promise I'll quit. I promise I won't ever do that again. And we, we think it, but then we don't make the choice or choices to lean in and live it. Action. And God has deposited his spirit in you if you're a believer to give you the power to live the new life that he, that he dreams for you and me to live. Thinking about it versus doing something about it. That's, that's the difference between verse 17 and 20. And so it says he got up, he went to his father, he returned home. That's the action. And then let me ask this question as we begin to wrap this up. Are you far from home today? Are you far from home? And if you find yourself far from home, what might be your first step to return to God? What might be your first step to return to God? Is it a prayer right here, right now? Maybe in the chat room, asking for prayer. Crying out to God right where you are, right? You're a prayer away from returning back to God the Father. Just a prayer away. But, you know, sometimes it's not just the first step. Then you got to take that second step after you ask for prayer, after you say, God, I want to come home, forgive me. That second step might be now I need to call a counselor because my marriage is jacked up and I'm, it's blowing up on me. And I received some prayer, but some of us, we need to go see a counselor or we need to go to a meeting. We need to get help. We need to let a friend in on what's really happening in our lives. So let me let you in on some good news. When we humble ourselves and we cry out to God for mercy and we return to God, this is what we come home to. Look at verse 20. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and he was filled with, now you fill in the blank. What is the father filled with as this rebellious son who demanded his 
in his share of the inheritance, squanders it, and now he's coming home. The father is filled with anger, right? Is that how you think about God? He's filled with anger, pointing his finger. Get off the property. There's nothing here for you anymore. He's filled with shame. You're such a loser. I told you that would happen to you. Maybe you think he's filled with accusation. You're such a disgrace to this family. What are you doing here now? You want your brother's share of the estate now too? Or maybe it's rejection. Hey, you are no longer my son. And you're no longer part of this family. How do you imagine God speaking to you today when you return home in your heart and say, God, I want to come home. I've been in that distant land, that far country. I have wandered away and rebelled against you. And so here's what we read. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. You don't do that in the first century if you're a guy wearing that kind of cloak stuff they wore. He says he ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. Wow. And the point of this story, Jesus wants you and wants me to know this day is this. This is what God is truly like. That's the big idea. This is what God is truly like. If you will humble yourself, if you will allow your heart to be broken over your willfulness, rebelliousness, hoarding, tight-fistedness, selfishness, and if you'll reach out to God and cry out to him, you will receive grace, generosity, forgiveness, love, warmth, redemption, peace, because that's who God truly is. I don't know who taught you that you were gonna get shame and accusation and rejection and disappoint, a disappointed father. That's not, that's not who Jesus is telling us God is like. God is not that image you have. And so I'm going to invite the band up right now. And in a posture of humility, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes wherever you are, unless you're driving in your car, of course. But close your eyes. And I want you to hear this. In a posture of humility and surrender, the younger son begins a new life, and that new life is available to you and to me today if we'll humble ourselves, if we'll turn to God this day. And so where are you on your spiritual journey? There's a few different options. Some of you may be, and I want you to identify where you are, and then I want you to decide where do you want to be and then what are you going to do to get there? Some of you are still at home. You're the younger son and you haven't left yet. Maybe, maybe you've been going to church all your life, but you feel restless, discontent, and dissatisfied. There's something more out there. I'm missing out. I've been a good girl my whole life. And some of you are living in that place of dissatisfaction and restlessness, and you want, you're ready to go chase something, to chase love out there. Or maybe you're off, you've left, you're in the far country, you're, you're in the middle of the wild living. And that could be in full-blown rebellion, but you might also be in wild living in a, in a secret, anonymous way. You haven't, you haven't left the city, you haven't left your house, you haven't left your marriage, but you're in full-blown rebellion, you're in full-blown wild living and nobody knows about it. That might be you. Or maybe you're in the mud 
feeding the pigs, you got caught, you got fired, maybe you're getting divorced, you feel powerless, hopeless, stuck, maybe still in that place of wavering. Yeah, someday I'll, I'll, I'll get it together. Or maybe, maybe you're in the place today where you're saying, gosh, I'm coming to my senses. I'm coming to my senses. I'm beginning to see clearly enough is enough. I'm ready to come home, ready to come home, ready to return home to God, to the Father's heart, to the Father's love and forgiveness and grace. I'm ready to come to the party. And maybe some of you are home, enjoying the fatted calf, enjoying the Father's love and blessing. Maybe that's where you're at. And just soak in that and give thanks to God for his forgiveness. And then there's others of you, you're like, no, I'm, I'm actually helping prepare the fatted calf, prepare the party. I, I want to be part of a church movement that's going to help lost sons and daughters come home to God and find a, a church family that's full of grace, not judgment, full of authenticity, not hypocrisy, full of mercy and not judgment. And so right here, right now, I pray for you. God, I pray that you'd speak into every heart right in this moment. Help us to identify where we are in this story on our journey. And then, Lord, would you bring us to that place, that safe place of coming home to you, knowing there's not wrath, there's not shame, there's not anger, there's not a disappointed father, but there's a father who is ready to celebrate us because he made us for himself. And so, Father, hear the cry of our heart this day. I pray that you would welcome lost sons and daughters home as we open our hearts to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.